You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons Podcast. You can visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. You guys are here with us today as well. My name is Bill White. My pronouns are he, him, and we are so glad to have you here at City Church of Long Beach. We are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And it's just, it's just good to be together. It's good to be together today. Um, one of the things we like to do every week is we like to pray for our kiddos, our kiddos from our church and from our families and our neighborhoods. And so I'd like to invite up Selene Zazueta, who's going to pray for our kiddos now. So if you'd welcome Selene. Thanks, Selene. Good morning. Dear God, thank you for our children near and far. They are so wonderful, spicy and all. Please help me guide them today and don't let them drive me crazy. Amen. Amen. We believe in honest prayer. Uh, and so if you're a kiddo and you would like to go with Selene and the crew, you guys can meet right here and head on out. Hey, and I just want to let you guys know real quick, just in case you didn't, but Selene, who is just up here praying, is one of our church leaders. We have a whole group of people who help lead our church in different ways. We call them the connection team, the developer team, uh, and Selene is one of our connectors. Yep, she's uh, one of our board members. Yeah, so yeah. she runs the place, basically, Absolutely. is what it comes down to. So. <laughs> and hi, I'm Brenna. My pronouns are she, her. Yep, and we're <laughs> co-pastors for those of you who are new. Uh, that means we do this together, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, so we're in this sermon series talking about church. What is the church? How do you relate in, to the church? And um, how do you be you and yet still be part of community? Sort of this dance. And, and I was thinking about it. I had a conversation earlier this month uh, with two different people uh, from City Church. And we were at Wrigley Coffee, kind of our local coffee shop here, and uh, met on the, in the same morning with each of them separately. And the conversations were so interesting because it was, it was exactly about the sort of stuff that we've been talking about a little bit as a church here about how do you appropriately differentiate and that how do you appropriately connect. And the, the first woman, she says, you know, uh, she, she had texted me and said, hey, I'd love to get together and talk. I said, sure, yeah, of course. So we get together. She said, you know, I, I wanted to meet with you. So I don't, she said, I wanted to tell you how well I'm doing. I was like, oh, that's so great. And, and I've met off and on with her for, I don't know, 10 years uh, longer. I don't, I don't know, for a long time. And she said, you know, I used to be in this job that was just super oppressive. And I mean, it was, man, she just kind of lost, lost herself in this job. And her family, there's some uh, dynamic personalities in her family. And it was also hard for her to kind of find her footing in her family and churches had been places that weren't always the best places to connect and um partly because i was one of her pastors but besides that so she's like you know i went on this journey and i i figured out how i need to pray for me And she, she did a stint in, in therapy, and she's, she realized, I need a job that's going to help me flourish. It's going to challenge me, but not oppress me. And she, she shifted her work, and she did all these things. She started this meditation practice 
which for her um, is just amazing. By the way, these are our kids. We like them. We think they should make noise. Yes. So this is this was intentional. Yeah. Um, so she's like, she starts this meditation practice that's been really life-giving for her. And she's just repeat, like, she's just found herself. And she's beaming and she's she's just like alive. You 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 talk to this human and they are alive. And they're still part of community. They shared this group that they're joining and been a part of. And I was like, whoa, that, that is so cool. And then in the same seat, an hour later, another woman comes and she sits down. And she starts pouring out her, she, she texts me. She says, okay, Bill, I'm finally ready to face the facts. Can we meet? I'm like, wow, sure. Okay, so we, we get together and, and she says, um, she says, okay, I have some questions. Great. She said, am I allowed to ask questions? I said, yeah, that's kind of who we are. And she opens up a, a document on her phone, a, a note, and she scrolls through and it's pages and pages. And she says, <laughs> she says, I've been working on this for years. I'm like, I, I mean, I can tell. And she, she, and her opening line is, um, my church wouldn't la let me ask questions. Mm -hmm. And my family said I wasn't allowed to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And they were very clear about how you're supposed to do everything, how, who you're supposed to love and who you're not supposed to love, how you're supposed to think of God and how you're not supposed to think of God. Mm -hmm. And she said, are you sure I can ask these questions? I'm like, have at it, let's go. And she starts crying and starts reading through these questions, like this question about the Bible and this question about relationships and this question about like, how do I, you know, like why, why are Christians so mean? <laughs> it's a good one. I heard that reaction. <laughs> yeah. Zoom, if you didn't hear it, everybody went, ooh, that's yeah. our question too. Yeah, I mean, and, and just, she's just going through the list. Like, do I have to go to church? I'm like, no, you don't have to go to church. She's like, really? <laughs> you don't. You, you don't have to go. It's okay. And it was. It was. And she cries multiple times during this conversation. But what you're seeing is you're seeing two different people orbiting around this thing called institutional religion, which mm -hmm. we might call church. And Brenna Rubio drew this picture last week. Uh, I'll put it here. Um, She's got this resource that she likes. It's called Orbiting the Giant Hairball. It's a book uh, that's one of her favorites. And uh, so this is the giant hairball. Um, and it's like a planet and, and it has gravity and it sucks you in, right? <laughs> and so the, the hairball is always, there, there's the we of community and of institution. And then there's the me of who I am. And, and the giant hairball has gravity and it's pulling you in right? And you've got philosophy, and so it's pushing you along. And in a healthy, like, robust, thriving system, you find a great orbit, and you, you cycle around, and you've got some me, and you've got some we. But too often what happens is the we just sucks you in, right? And some of us have been sucked in, right? And you end up crashing on the planet, and your asteroid explodes, right? And there's nothing left of you and you have to repair. 
And th this is sort of the picture. So uh, from, the, from that book, this is a quote, a hairball is an entangled and entangling pattern of behavior which doesn't allow much space for original thinking and creativity. It says, this is how you have to pray. You have to go to church every Sunday. You have you, lots of shoulds and have tos. And it sucks you in, but there's a different way of doing it, of finding an orbit that you're allowed to differentiate. You're allowed to find your own way to pray and your own balance in life and boundaries around people. Um, there's a, and some of you probably read, uh, read the book called Homegoing by Yajiasi, um, but she writes this, and it's, it's a picture of, I think of a lot of how churches work. Uh, she, she writes, weakness is treating someone as though they belong to you. Strength is knowing that everyone belongs to themselves. And so how do we become the beloved community while still letting everyone belong to themselves? And that's what we're wrestling with today. And so we'd like to invite our friend Ed Oxford up, who's going to read scripture for Woo! us today. If you'd welcome Ed. Um, for those, so today is, the, is a lunch for our Rainbow Club, which used to be our LGBT growth group. Come step center, <laughs> center stage, dude. Um, and Ed and Shelly Brown are leading that group. So if you're interested or if you signed up and you don't know who this person is, it's this guy. And he's great. So, and if you'd stand uh, for reading of scripture for us, that'd be great. And Ed's going to read. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world, Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. <laughs> all right, we all appreciated that like extra Ed lively Oxford. reading. That was awesome. That Ed. guy kills me. That is amazing. I love it. I'm smiling so big right now. Um, I, this little snippet, by the way, we're going to go through a few different Jesus stories today, because there are a few different ways that we can find ourselves getting sucked in by the giant hairball of community, of systems, of institutional religion, which does not have to be a bad thing, but as Bill was saying, when we, when we lose our own sense of who we are, it can become devastating. So we're going to be looking at a few different Jesus stories, just illustrating a few of the different ways that we sometimes experience that. And so this first story that Ed just read for us um, is really just an illustration of the ways that there are sometimes things in the giant hairball that were never good to begin with and yet are still there, that are still sucking at us that are still they we just we haven't figured it out yet they're holdovers from what we might call empire when i think of the word empire which you may have different uh, pictures that come into your head when i say that but to me when i say it it's it's the opposite of the kingdom 
of God. Empire is all the ways that we try to do life based on systems of hierarchy and exclusion and power hoarding and control. So it's not just, you know, what might happen, you know, in a state capital or a national capital. It's not just what happens in a boardroom. It's also what can happen just in our personal relationships, right? When there are these ways of being and operating in the world that are, are built on who has more power and can get what they want. In opposition to a kingdom way of living, the kingdom of God, which if we were going with Muhurista theology, we might also picture as the kingdom of God, the family of God, the system of mutuality and reciprocity and trust and just, it's really a picture of this in balance, in harmony. Well, we read this story and it's so clear that empire is just what we're used to. Jesus is here. He's doing amazing things in the community, miracles and healings, teaching, just, he's amazing. And so when the people see him, they say, oh, this is it. He's the one. We know what it is to have harmful rulers. We know what it is to see people using their power to hurt us. So maybe this person will use their power and just be a different kind of king, but still a king. We still, they still wanted someone to be the leader who would rescue them. They still wanted someone to sort of perpetuate this system of power over, of control, of making the world sort of predictable, somebody to enforce the rules, just rules that would be better for them. So much so that they were gonna play by the rules of empire and make Jesus king whether he wanted to or not. Cause that's what empire does. It says, it's not about your choices. It's not about what you think is right for you. It's about what we want and what we can force you to do. Systems like this are just self-perpetuating because we repeat what we know and what we know is empire. What we know is force. We've experienced it in our families. We've experienced it in our workplaces and we have experienced it in our churches. I read it and I can't help flashing back to, to one of those church experiences that for me was most hurtful, where definitely I would look and say, yeah, that pastor, I don't know if anybody ever clinically diagnosed him, but he was a narcissist. Like, whoa, I saw him behind the scenes, right? And you could see it kind of out front too. But you know what? It's not just that he was a narcissist. The church invited him in. They wanted that person up there who would say, I have all the answers. Follow me. They wanted a king. And we do that because it's what we're used to. Fear and anger and shame and othering. So we set up these hierarchies in all of these systems, in our families, in our workplaces, in our churches, 
And then we wonder why people get hurt, right? We wonder why we get hurt. And so what's so amazing about this story is that Jesus just says, no, that is not my dream. I did not come to be a king in the way that you are used to. Empire was never part of his plan. I was thinking of in Matthew 20, he says, hey, you know those, you know how they do it. You know how people with power always lord it over you. That's not who I am. He knew who he was. He says, the son of man, the human one, it's a better translation, I, the human one, I came not to be served, not to lord it over you, but I came to serve. That is the way forward. And so he resists it. He says, I get it. This is what you've learned, but that's not going to be who I am. I refuse to connect myself to that part of the system. And so he resisted. He left. I mean, he completely physically left. And I Part of me wonders a bit because the Bible does tell us that Jesus was tempted in all the same ways that we're tempted. I don't, was there a piece of him? Sometimes that's the easier way. I mean, to just be declared king as opposed to the cross and suffering. Was there a piece that was tempted? Like we're tempted? When somebody tells us we're in charge of something and some little piece of us goes, Woo, watch out. Because we have felt how other people have treated us and now we get to be the one in charge. But he left, he resisted. I love it that he just got away. It was physical, but it was also mental and emotional. He needed to get away from these agendas that other people had for him, their vision for his life. People always have visions for our lives, don't they? So, no, that's, that's your vision for my life. It's not my vision for my life. It's not God's vision for my life. So he left. And then you know what I think is implied? Because usually in the Bible, when it says that Jesus... Um, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Often what follows is the words to pray. It's not just that he moves away. It's not just like the negative, but he moves away to do something. It's to pray, to reconnect. Who am I? Who is God? What is this larger? What is this alternate picture? If it's not empire, what am I made for? What are we all made for? And it's a powerful practice because we're all pulled at by empire it's just how it works we have our own internal desires for clarity and safety and control that we've been taught that this is how we're supposed to manage them and so sometimes we perpetuate the broken systems we just do we have to learn to see it to own it so that we can learn to pull away and sometimes we have to pull away because there are these loud voices telling us that what is evil is what is good. Telling us that what is harmful is for peace, right? They're flipping the world upside down on us and trying to convince us to stay silent. So I was talking with a friend here this morning 
and she gave me permission to share this story anonymously. Um, but uh, she's been through an interesting season in her job. She works uh, in, in a situation with lots of other people. You know, she's got a cubicle surrounded by lots of other cubicles, and, and they're all in the business of children, teaching children, educating children. Um, and so it's been really difficult for her because over the last few months, there have been quite a few situations where outside of her cubicle, she has heard gatherings of her coworkers, and in some case, her supervisors, her bosses, making homophobic and transphobic remarks. Conversations that go on and go on and go right outside her cubicle where she has her stickers and her you know, ways of trying to communicate, that's not who I am. And so she's had to engage in different ways, you know, all right, I've, I've been sitting in here for five, 10 minutes, I'm done. And she's, she would tell you she's very quiet. And in her workplace, she would be considered quiet and sweet and gentle. And for those of you who know her, that's probably how you, but that she's, she's had to step out of her cubicle and say, I don't appreciate this, right? And she's had to go to her supervisor in his office and say, I don't appreciate this. This isn't okay. And so the story she told me this morning, you know, as, as she's been most of the time wrestling a little bit more, you know, before she, she takes that step and they've all been wonderful steps, wonderful steps of resistance of saying, I will not call what is evil good. I will not participate in the hairball. Well, this week, one of these, she was in the group that were sitting there and they were just talking about, you know, Hollywood and performances and concerts. And so she said, woo, about, you know, a performer she'd seen and loved and had someone in the group, again, react homophobically, you know, just a, a disparaging comment about the performer's sexuality that had not been, I mean, that wasn't what the conversation was about. And so our friend just, it was one of those, like, there was no debate. There was just an immediate looking the person in the eye and saying, and how does this affect your life? And having the whole group freeze. And then some of the people who have been outside her cubicle and the boss that she's gone in to talk to and confront rally behind her and say, you're right, aren't you? How does that affect any of our lives? We don't need to be this way and have the conversation flip. And you just go, yes, because sometimes when you resist it, you also start to finally shift the hairball a little bit, right? To have everybody go, oh yeah, that thing we have been calling good, maybe it's not. It's a story of resistance. Um, so there, there are these things, Brennan just described that, we've been calling it that, that aren't in the hairball. But there are also things in this, the, this giant hairball, sort of this planetary force, this institution, religion, culture, that aren't inherently bad, but may not be fitting right now. Or maybe that's not where Jesus is, is calling you right now. And Jesus engages in these conversations regularly. So in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says six times, he says this, you have heard it said, blah, 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 but I say to you, blah, blah, blah. So he, he's saying things, he's saying like, 
I know this is how you've always thought of it. There might be a different way to look at it. And he's not calling the things inherently bad, right? It seems like, you know, do not commit adultery. He's not saying like, oh, that's a bad command, right? He's just saying, hey, I, 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 let's, let's think about this some more is what he's inviting. Um, so let's, we'll look at one of them where he says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. And he goes on from there with this radical command, and he says, love your enemies. Now, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth was actually a radical, revolutionary statement thousands of years ago when the people of Israel were shifting how we handled um, problems in, the, in our world, when there was violence, when there was hurt. That instead of like, I accidentally knocked out your eye with a rock, you killed my whole family. Right? So an eye for an eye was generous, it was kind, it was gracious, it was fair. And the truth is, it's the model still today for like our judicial system to make sure that we're not giving disproportionate consequences, at least we shouldn't be, uh, for certain behaviors, right? The idea is like, no, it should be justice, it should be equitable. And so it's, it's actually a good thing. And yet Jesus takes that and says, hold on now, love your enemies. He, he adds a new teaching, his new way, and he invites us into resisting the hairball of the way we've always done it. The way that, the way we were taught. What our, what, what the Bible always says, or what our pastor always used to teach, or how our family's always done it. And there's this invitation to follow Jesus into a new way of life. And I think this, you know this, you've done this. It, this, this is what I was thinking about myself. It, it looks like this for me. Um, when I was 16, not particularly churchy, got involved in a youth group, and they started talking about Jesus like they knew him. And I was like, that sounds awesome. And I became a Christian. And they said, you can call God your father. And I was like, no way. <laughs> That's so cool. Like God was sort of some amorphous blob out there in space, you know, for the first 16 years of my life. But then I got to call God my father. And it was awesome. The sense of intimacy and connection, right? It's like, wow, I know God and God knows me. I'm God's boy. And it was so good. And in so many ways, it is still so good. Jesus also teaches some new ways to look at old things, however. And connected with God as Father, I didn't know this at the time, and I just sort of drank it in. You know, I just, it was just sort of the way it was, is this view of God being gendered. That God is male, and so obviously being male is pretty awesome. <laughs> I'll just let it pass. Go ahead. <laughs> Right? And, and so it's, it's this view of God is gendered, which is really complicated. God, like, is God really gendered? Hmm. Let's think about that. And, and the inherent patriarchy that comes with it. Like, well, I mean, obviously, I mean, God is father. So as, as a guy, I should probably be in control here. 
right? Which is perfect for me as a religious leader because like, yeah, I'm a guy. Right? And so all this stuff she was just talking about, like that's, these are my issues. And so what, what if we, you know, Jesus is inviting me to say, no, look at all the images of God as mother. You can pray to God as mom. Whoa, radical. Right? And so now in my life, it's not that God as father is bad, but Jesus is inviting me to a, to a new journey, mm. a deeper journey, really, to, to resist some of what, what could be good, but also could kind of suck me into some things that are not so good. Mm-hmm. And to allow me to differentiate and go on my journey and experience God the way that I need to experience God. And so like this week, I prayed with a group to God, our Father. It was very appropriate for the group I was in. I also prayed to God, my mother, this week. I prayed to Yahweh in another setting. There are different settings. It's like, and this is who I am, and I'm on my journey to know God. And so this is what Jesus is talking about, how to resist the hairball and actually go on your own journey. Hmm. That's, that's so good. I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking of like, it's just what we do over time. We start out, and, and any institution can do this, right? Like any group of just like, hey, we're gathering for this little purpose. And hey, that worked once, so let's make that part of our purpose and part of our this is who we are. And oh, that was kind of good. Let's make it that, right? It's just layer after layer, and we start taking things that are not essential and telling everyone they're essential, right? Um, so then there are also the things that they are. They're just good. There are so many different good things out there in the world, but they're not necessarily the good thing for you right in this moment, right? So I got an email this week um, from somebody who's a new leader on a team that I've been part of and kind of, you know, there's what Bill and I do here, and then there are ways that sometimes our pastoring connects us with other groups, right? Uh, that, that's helpful, peer groups, that sort of thing. Um, and so new committee leader, and he was uh, checking to see if people who have historically been on this team that I have been part of, I've actually led at times, um, are they still in, you know, for this new season? And I did not reflexively reply and say yes, because I don't know, right? It was good for me in a season. And I'm not sure that continuing to be part of that team is my best yes right now. If that is, what, I mean, I don't want to like over-spiritualize it, but I mean, I only have so much time and energy to give, right? And so is, is that what God would have me do right now? And there are sometimes competing goods, right? And, and we're all limited. Even Jesus was limited because he took on flesh like us, right? which meant he couldn't be in more than one place at a time, right? He had to sleep, he had to eat. He had all the human limits that we had. So for instance, you have this time where Jesus has gone out to a solitary place. We're in Luke four right now. Once again, there's a lot of echoes of our first story that Ed read for us. He's gone to a solitary place and now the people are looking for him. And when they came to where he was, They again tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, 
I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that's why I was sent. He says no, and they're not asking for something bad this time. They're not trying to make him king by force. They're just saying, hey, Jesus, we love you. You're awesome. Please stay with us a little longer. And he says no. And I bet the people were disappointed. Disappointing people. How many of you are going like, no, we can't do that. Okay, this story is going to hit. It hits differently for two different groups here, okay? There's a group of us who hate disappointing people. And there is something for us to really look at of like, Jesus is not afraid of disappointing people. He is okay with that. Because while they wanted something good, he was the one who was responsible to discern what was actually his best to give. You know, it's not just that we can't be all things to all people. We can't be all things to anyone. Right? I can't be all things to my kids. I can't be all things to my husband. I can't be all things to any of you. Right? That's why it's so good. There are so many of us. It's so good, right? It's so good for you guys that you have both Bill and I as pastors and that you have Selene and Tiger and all these wonderful other people as the leaders of your church because each of us is limited and we cannot be all things to you. Just can't. And if we tried, we would all be very unhappy, right? We'd all be worn out, all be disappointed. Jesus is okay disappointing people because he had a particular mission. He had given what he had to give to this group of people. And then it's like he didn't feel like he had to manage their disappointment, right? They got to manage their own disappointment and maybe find out, oh, there are things in this community. We've, we've received this initial message, this initial kind of bolt of hope. I don't know what the fallout was, but I think I get to believe with Jesus that it didn't harm the people right? That it was okay. Some of us need to know that, that when we disappoint someone, we don't have to rescue them from their disappointment, that it's all right. They'll find other people. It'll help them broaden, you know, their group of friends, their group of spiritual counselors. Um, We don't have to try to be all things. We can decide and discern what it is we're actually given to do in a moment. There are others of us, though, and I don't know which group you fall into. Some of us are really good at putting ourselves first already. And our practice is to not expect other people to manage our disappointment. We're the people getting disappointed, right? Or trying to manage the world so nobody ever disappoints us. Right? So that we can say, I want this from you. And if you don't give it to me, you're bad. I have. I kind of knew you were going to go this way. I was really not looking to number two. I was kind (laughs) of hoping you were just going to forget that one. Feeling a little targeted over here. Are you? Are you? um, Yeah, it's tough. It is tough. You go like, oh, how often do we do that? that we start employing the tools of empire, shame and control. 
how dare you make me feel bad and uncomfortable? How dare you make me go look for someone else who might be able to do these things? There's that saying out there, maybe some of you have seen it, but the people who are the most upset when you communicate healthy boundaries are the ones who benefited when you didn't have any, right? So when we notice ourselves, not just being disappointed, but being angry at people when they tell us no, is it an opportunity for us to bless them as they exert a little bit of agency, as they explore their me? How can we do that for each other? It's part of this whole hairball thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'd like to invite up a friend who's going to share a little bit of uh, his story. So if you'd welcome Jeff Wu uh, as he comes Woo-woo! out to share. Um, we like to have real humans um, come up and, and just talk and like, hey, what, what's it like for you? So here's the state center, dude. You're like important now. <laughs> well, you've always been Thanks. important. You know. um, Jeff, how long have you been around City Church? Why did you show up? Sure. Like, why, why are you here? Yeah. Um, first of all, when Bill told me about this and talking about gravitational forces and inertial forces, I'm here for that. <laughs> He's <laughs> a nerd. Nerd moment. Yeah. He's a nerd. Nerd unite. We love nerds. No. Um, so I think my story probably goes back to growing up. I'm in a very traditional church. Um, probably not unlike some of you here. Um, grew up in like a Asian American church. There was like the adult Asian congregation. And then initially it was us as, as just like the youth group. And then as we grew, um, we kind of became, you know, we, we grew larger and then we wanted sort of like uh, to be independent. But then that was sort of like looked down upon. Um, and so we're always um, like the kids. And then uh, to add a layer on top of that, um, as we grew older and went to college and even graduated college, got married and had kids, um, there was an expectation to be there all the time and to do everything. Um, So as an example, um, when my son Jeremy was born, uh, at that time we were living in Riverside and we would be making the drive back to the Torrance area, South Bay. We'd make that drive um, three or four times a week for small group, for fellowship, for church. And then Sunday church was like a whole day thing. So there's like prayer meeting, Sunday school, Sunday service, lunch, fellowship time. Um, And, you know, um, my wife remembers this very clearly. We were napping Jeremy like in the utility room. (laughs) <laughs> um, just because there was, you know, no other place. So. Um, but that felt like commitment to me. It, mm-hmm. in, in some ways, it was like, okay, I guess I'm spiritual now because I'm doing these things. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, as we finished up in Riverside and we were looking to move back, uh, we, we started checking out other churches. We, Madeline and I decided that, you know, maybe this was a good chance to see something different. Yeah, something different. And so um, Bill actually was, uh, he married my sister 
And I, I'm actually not married to his sister. I actually officiated. Officiated the wedding. Yeah. And I just Katie, have one, just one point. And, and, and his wife, Katie, who's also amazing, um, works with my sister. So there was that connection there. So as we were looking around at churches, we happened to also visit City Church. And we loved it here. Um, we loved the people. Uh, we loved the, the culture um, and, and what you guys are trying to do here. So. So I recall, Jeff, when you and Madeline showed up, you were such good church people. Uh, you were a dream. Uh, you showed up every week. You volunteered at different things. Like every Sunday, you were here. And then that started to shift a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about that shift? Like from like, well, first off, why did you show up every week? Yeah. Um, I think I kind of, for myself, um, when, when, you know, when you talk with, with people about God, you know, one of the questions might be like, you know, how are you doing with the Lord, right? And so for me, like, that automatically switched this question in my mind, like, wh what I did um, was equal to how I was doing. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it was like, immediately, okay, how are you doing? So am I going to church every week? Am I reading my Bible every day? Um, am I praying every day? Am I, mm -hmm. Check, check, check. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm doing okay with God. Like, you know? Yeah. And so, yes. yeah. So that was part of it. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So you came every Sunday, and then then you like missed a Sunday. It was like for a baby shower or something like that. I don't. Do you remember? Like, and then you missed more than one Sunday. Like, tell tell us a little bit about kind of shifting out of the every week rhythm and and really so we're talking about this yeah. so you you were very close in with the hairball yeah right but then you yeah, it was then like you a kinda... black hole i think it's <laughs> it like there, what it got sucked in it was a black <laughs> hole the gravitational mass was yes. very large yeah so so how often do you go to church now like on a sunday um how many times have you been this year i think the last time i came was easter okay easter great okay so maybe maybe once a quarter something like that right being generous yes <laughs> <laughs> all right twice a year um which actually to me and i want to just say this publicly that sounds like a lovely rhythm for you right now in your life thanks i mean i just know a little bit of your life and 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 your spiritual journey and it sounds lovely right I'm, how did you get there that's a good question um I think with a lot of support um, from the leadership here and from the people we met here, it was, you just kind of step out and like, if I missed a Sunday, no one was texting me, hey, you okay? Um, just wanna check check in on you, you know, um, missing another Sunday or, um, but still, you know, remaining connected um, with people here um, and, just seeing that they care how I'm doing, um, this you know, I guess despite that, um, helped me to feel like okay, like it's safe and it's okay. Like, mm. like people aren't just saying that. Yeah. It's actually, yeah, mean it. Yeah. That's awesome. Have there been some other resources that you've tapped in to to help you differentiate and find like okay, I was like, I mean, you were uber Christian, right? <laughs> And now you're like normal, beloved child of God. I mean, you've got stuff to work on, and like we all do, right? But, 
but what have there been one or two key resources that have helped you transition to this um, kind of better relationship to the to the hairball of institutional religion um and, for, and god maybe yeah for me one was okay now do i have like other interests that you know and and yeah so a lot of times you'll on sunday mornings you'll find me either with my kids so my wife can get some work done or um i'll be on the road like cycling and mm, so good you know finding connection with the lord there um mm -hmm. i'm also still connected with um some of the dads here so that's also been another resource that mm -hmm. aside from like you know sunday morning church yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. has helped yeah, there's just this sense, is, and I, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but we, this is maybe a year or two ago, we uh, went out to Starbucks. I just was, was saying, hey, how, how you been? And, and uh, I, I distinctly, it was, it was a significant conversation for me. It may, probably wasn't for you, but it was for me. Because I was asking you, I was like, hey, it seems like you've gotten into this nice rhythm of not coming to church much, and you've been working on your family and your own relationship with God, you've been doing some therapy, some other stuff, all these wonderful things. And, uh, and I said, you know, how are you doing? And you said, I'm doing really well. And I said, do you notice the correlation? Because when you were coming to church every week, and I would ask, how are you doing? And you'd be like, not so good. <laughs> Like, and I remember this moment of going like, like Jeff's coming alive, you know, and I don't know, I mean, our orbits shift over time and sometimes they're closer and further from a, from a group, but I just remember thinking, this is so great. This man is, is flourishing. And I just want to bless you. And that's why we wanted you to share today to say like, look, this is flourishing people. This is flourishing. So thank you, Jeff. Wood. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Oh, oh, we have a final question. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. We, we, you don't have to have an answer, but, yeah, yeah. but uh, we like to ask the people just to get even. Uh, do you have a question for us? I do. Um. <laughs> He's like, right on it. <laughs> I did think about this one a little bit. Um, so, I mean, I think we all are products of our past. So yeah. my question to you would be like, what do you feel like you're running from and what do you hope to be running to? Uh, <laughs> whoa. I know. In 60 seconds or less. <laughs> okay. Seconds Not really fair. Coming but out swinging. Yeah. Um. Oh, maybe I'll think about one other resource was I am in therapy. I, you know, I think everyone should be in therapy. We just all, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> we all have things to deal with um, and things to talk through. So yeah. that's another excellent resource. Yeah. You want to shoot first? You want me to? Sure, I'll give like an attempt. Um, I think they're related a lot of times, yes, right? Absolutely. Like it's like what you're running from or like trying to move away from. Yeah. Um, and I find it so weird because I think I don't think of myself as a people pleaser in some ways. Like I feel, and yet I've I've been realizing more and more more over the last few years the ways that um, I have learned to wear masks in different situations, which is people pleasing. Right, which is this sort of like, how do I manage myself to not make people uncomfortable or, you know, um, and so I think, I think that for me is like trying to become more aware of when I'm doing that, of when I'm, I mean, it's not bad stuff, it's just a, my own quirky little things, right, to be able to say out loud, like, oh, I like that and I don't like that, or oh, I like admitting when I don't get jokes, I didn't get one this morning with a couple people, and then all of a sudden I did and I screamed nude out loud. 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that for me is I'm trying to run more towards I'm created in the Imago Dei and my own quirky self. Why am I managing that so much? I think we all are. Yeah. Uh, I, the thing that immediately comes to mind, so I'm an empty nester. Both my kids are out. One's in D.C., one's in Chicago. And I'm trying to, I'm not like I'm running away, but I feel like a lot of my identity is wrapped up in my kids. Uh, I was a stay-at-home dad early on. And then my wife kind of took that role for a number of years. And then for the last uh, last phase of the kids going through junior high and high school, I was, again, the primary caregiver. And I just had so much identity wrapped up in my kids. And so and now they're not there to provide that for me, which is very inconvenient. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I'm trying to run towards find like, and who am I again? So I think that's it's kind of a big question that I'm asking yeah. a lot. So. Thanks. All right, thank Jeff Wu. And, oh. Thanks for a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so.